0: good morning everyone my name's pastor Brett and I want to welcome you today welcome everyone watching online today so good to have you with us go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 3 last week we were in John chapter 4 today we're gonna go John chapter 3 and we're just in a series here about the Great Commission and we've been specifically looking at the way Jesus shared the gospel With people. And and last week we were looking at how he shared the gospel with the Samaritan woman at the well. And so I just want to begin with a, a question this week. How many of you this week kept some divine appointments? Raise your hand. There you go. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. How many of you were expecting to share Jesus with anyone? and everyone awesome awesome today we're going to look at this conversation between jesus and nicodemus and in regards to our salvation this is the most important conversation in the bible and the reason why is because jesus gives us the one requirement of how to be saved and to go to heaven. You know, I think Nicodemus represents the person that's been going to church their, their entire life and truly believes that they're saved and going to heaven but actually haven't fulfilled this one requirement of salvation. And I believe this morning that God wants every one of us in this room to have assurance of salvation. Does that sound okay? Amen. Amen. 1 John 5.13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants us to know that we have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. What's the name of the Son of God? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch it. Jesus. I'm sorry, one more time. Jesus. Jesus. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, your presence here today. And God, I just pray that you prepare our hearts that we might hear the voice of the Lord today. And God, I pray that we hear the conviction that Jesus had when he spoke these words to Nicodemus. I pray that we hear that conviction. And God, I pray that every single person in this room and everyone watching online today will know that they know that they know that they know. That they have that assurance of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to read through this conversation and and then we're going to talk about it. Okay, so starting in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and and verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Okay, and so I want to stop there and just make sure we understand who Nicodemus is. So, Pharisees. Pharisees were highly educated and trained in theology. To qualify, even just to qualify as a Pharisee, you had to memorize all five books, first five books of the Bible. Okay, and so so even Leviticus, the one that we cheat on when we're reading through the Bible in a year and we don't. Read all of Leviticus, even Leviticus. They had all of it memorized, okay? They were legal scholars that interpret and enforce religious law. And so the law was made up of 613 commandments. Some of those were from God, like the Ten Commandments, and some were from man, okay? There was, there was even laws around going to the bathroom, And so for the Pharisee, someone's ability to go to heaven was based on one's self-effort in keeping those laws. And and so for the Pharisees, they were obsessed with keeping the law and enforcing the law on the Jewish people. They were very legalistic and very religious. We've talked about that word religious. They were bound to the law. But Nicodemus was not just a Pharisee, but he was actually also part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was was, was kind of like the Supreme Court. It's made up of 70 religious leaders. It was the ruling governing body of the the Jewish people. Okay, so Nicodemus was like a, a super Pharisee. He wasn't just a Pharisee. Okay, he was Mr. Law. If someone walked, see uh, Nicodemus walking down the street, they'd say, there's there's Mr. Law, there's Mr. Religion right there. Okay, but Jesus was teaching a different gospel. Jesus was teaching that we're not justified and made righteous by our self-efforts, but by Jesus' efforts. That we can only be forgiven and qualify for heaven through our faith in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. That it's not about what we do, but it's about what Jesus has already done. Galatians 2.16 says, Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Christ. And so most of the Pharisees did not like Jesus. Okay, in fact, they accused Jesus, when he did miracles, they would accuse Jesus that he was able to do those miracles through the power of Satan. They weren't fans of Jesus. And so Nicodemus is meeting Jesus in the cover of night because he doesn't want to be seen by anyone. Because he can't be seen socializing with this, this rebel of the law. You know what I think is even more important that than, than uh, Nicodemus wanting to meet with Jesus is that Jesus was willing to meet with Nicodemus. And last week we talked about how we need to be ready to share the gospel with anyone and everyone because everyone needs Jesus. And Nicodemus was no exception. But Nicodemus could not be more opposite to the Samaritan woman at the well. He was a Jew, she was a Samaritan. He's rich and she's poor. He's an insider, she was an outcast. He upholds the law, she breaks the law. He's a moral, upstanding citizen of the church. She was living in sin. These are two extremes. It's the epitome of self righteousness and rebellion. But Jesus was willing to share the good news with everyone. Watch this not just the outcasts, but the churchgoers. Last week, we, we listed potential people that we might not suspect to share Jesus with. Do you remember that list? Maybe people of different religion or, or different race or different social status or, or different authority. But I don't think we had churchgoers on our list. But apparently, there are churchgoers. Churchgoers and religious people like Nicodemus who need to hear the good news. Verse two, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your your, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so right away we see Nicodemus, he's not like the other Pharisees, but he calls Jesus rabbi or teacher. He acknowledges that Jesus is an authentic teacher of the word of God. He shows him the respect reserved for someone of Nicodemus's status in the church. Luke chapter 10 and verse 5 and 6 says, When you enter a house, this is Jesus talking, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. How many of you know that some people are ready to hear about Jesus and some just plain aren't? But Jesus was led to meet with Nicodemus because he was a person of peace, he was open to Jesus and ready to hear the gospel. He was ready for salvation. He's ready for something more. He knows all things religion. But after encountering Jesus, he realizes that he's missing something. That there's got to be more than the laws and the rules. His heart was truly seeking truth. And it's not up to us to judge who we share Jesus with. It's up to the Holy Spirit. We need to be ready to share Jesus with anyone and everyone. And the Holy Spirit knows hearts. He knows those people of peace that are ready to meet Jesus. But Jesus doesn't acknowledge Nicodemus' tribute. He doesn't acknowledge that Nicodemus honors him and, and respects him, but Jesus Cuts right to the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue is Nicodemus needs to be born again. Jesus is point blank telling him that he does not qualify for heaven. Nicodemus, a faithful churchgoer, not just Easter and Christmas but every opportunity to attend church. Not just a churchgoer, but he's a church leader. A religious ruler. Nicodemus knows the Bible. He's memorized at least five books of the Bible. Nicodemus worships God. Nicodemus prays to God. He fasted twice a week, as Pharisees did. He gives to God. Nicodemus tithed on everything he's a moral person he tried so hard to be a good person and keep the law nicodemus believed in miracles pharisees believed in the supernatural and the resurrection he he even believed that jesus was from god he's a better christian than most christians But Jesus is telling him that none of those things qualify him for heaven. But unless he is born again, he won't see heaven. Wow. And not just Nicodemus, but this is a must, this is a necessary condition, an absolute requirement for every human being to enter the kingdom of God. Essentially, this is what Jesus said. If you're not born again, you're not a Christian. If you're not born again, you're not saved. If you're not born again, you are not going to heaven. And let's understand this. This is not... theologian talking. This is not a a TV evangelist. This isn't some pastor. This is the founder of the Christian faith. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says you must be born again. Verse 4, Nicodemus says, what do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Spirit is capitalized, that means the Holy Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to supernatural life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. So what does it mean to be born again? Nicodemus is confused. He thinks Jesus is saying that we need to be born again physically. How many of you mothers in the room are so glad that that's not what Jesus meant? (laughs) I mean, I'm six foot three and 200 and a lot. Pounds. Like, My mother is five foot two. and This would not be a good thing. It's horrible. But Jesus, of course, means we need to be born again spiritually. That that born again is also translated as born from above. And so how many of you know that we're made in three parts? Right? We have a spirit... That's our life force. That's really who we are. We're we're spirit beings. So we have a spirit. We we have a soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's our soul. And then we have a body that's made up of bones and tissues and organs. And so you put that together. we're, We're spirit beings. We possess a soul. And we live in a a body. This is our earth suit while we're here. Right? And <clears throat> and so to be born again is talking about our spirit. It's not talking about our soul or our body. But our spirit is made new. Lots of us know 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. He's a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. Because spiritual awakening brings a new life. To be born again is to have new life in Christ, that our spirit comes alive. Ephesians chapter 2 I'm gonna read verse one and then four and five. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. See, before Jesus, we were dead, not physically, but we were dead spiritually, right? That was our spiritual condition. We were sinful, we're separated from God. But then verse four, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace that you've been saved. See, being born again, it's that miracle of, excuse me, regeneration. It's when the Holy Spirit makes us new on the inside, gives us a new spirit, and comes to live inside of us. I was coaching uh, Sierra's basketball team, and we had to go to a small town. I'm not going to say where the town is, but we stayed in a motel there, the only motel. And uh, <clears throat> thanks. Thanks so much, Mike. And uh, some of the girls were complaining that the room was, was dirty, that there was hairs in their beds and, and things like that. <laughs> And, you and, know, and, let me just ask you, if you go to a, a hotel or a motel and, and the room has not been clean from the people that were there before, okay, and so the room's a mess, the bed's a mess, who knows what is in that bed, would you just say, nah, oh, well, let's go to sleep? <laughs> is that what you would say? No, I think you would make sure that you'd call the, the front desk and make them clean the room before you would enter and live in that room. Now, let me ask you this question. How clean, how clean does God make you for the Holy Spirit to come live inside you? That's how clean you are in Jesus Christ. That's regeneration. That's what happens when we're born again. Isn't that exciting? That's how clean you are. That's how righteous you are. That's how acceptable you are to God the Father. You're so clean that he will come and live inside you. I think it's important that we talk about what Jesus means here when he says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Okay, some people read that and they believe that means that we can't be saved unless we're water baptized and then born again by the Holy Spirit. But we need to understand the context of this conversation. What are they talking about? What's Jesus talking about in this conversation? He's talking about the womb. He's talking about natural birth. Is water a part of natural birth? Yeah. What, what happens when a pregnant woman says, my water just broke? You get to the hospital, right? And you get there quick, right? And, and so water in this, in this is talking about natural birth. It's not talking about water baptism. And and the very next verse, Jesus confirms that when he says humans can reproduce only human life, natural birth, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. That's spiritual birth. So he's not talking about water baptism. And so please understand today, water baptism doesn't save people. Water baptism doesn't qualify us for heaven. And my favorite example is the thief on the cross. Do you remember the thief on the cross that that came to faith in Jesus before he died? Do you think they quickly took him off the cross and went down to the river and water baptized him and brought him back up? No way. No way, but he got saved because Jesus said to him, truly I say I tell you today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus says to the thief on the cross beside him, you qualify for heaven. He was not water baptized. Okay? In fact, he didn't do any of the things that we typically think we need to do to go to heaven. What a contrast between Nicodemus and the thief on the cross. One is an, an esteemed church leader. And the other is a criminal pain for his crimes. But it's the criminal that Jesus says gets to go to heaven. <laughs> what? Because it's all about you must be born again. Okay, we've got to keep rolling here. Verse 8, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Do you know what I love about Jesus is that he was never afraid to ask the tough question. Right? And, and how gentle or how harsh the, the, the rebuke was, I think, was uh, coincide with the heart of the person. But the woman at the well, what was the question that Jesus asked the woman at the well? The tough question. He asked her, where is your husband? Right? He was acknowledging her heart's disobedience and rebellion towards God's law. He asked Nicodemus, You're a Jewish teacher and you don't understand these things? <laughs> acknowledging his arrogance and his rebellious heart towards the Savior. Right? So Jesus is never afraid to ask the tough questions. Right? But he doesn't, he doesn't you know, whack them on the side of the head with a two by four, right? But, but he does it in a way that challenges and acknowledges and, and still gives them a way out. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us a way out. You know the difference between con- condemnation and conviction because condemnation doesn't give you a way out. Conviction gives you a way out. Satan condemns, the Holy Spirit convicts, gives us a way out. Jesus is giving them a way out. Verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, as the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. You might have heard this next verse before. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that who everyone who believes in him... Will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world or condemn it, but to save the world through him. So Jesus references a story in the Old Testament in Numbers 21 because he, He's He's helping us understand how do I become born again? And so Jesus references this, this story. In Numbers 21, and so Israel's wandering in the desert. They're doing their 40 years in the desert. And and they're complaining the entire time. And at one point, God gets fed up. And he sends snakes into the camp, poisonous snakes. And so people are dying. They're getting bit and dying by these snakes. And then Moses then intercedes on their behalf. He stands in the gap between God and God his wrath, his judgment, and these people. And God says, okay, uh, go ahead and make a brass snake and put it up on a pole and then lift it up. And so whenever uh, someone, whoever looks at the snake is going to be saved, okay? And so all of those people that were bitten and they're dying from the snake's bites, now they're getting saved as soon as they look at this brass snake that's on a pole. You think man, I think God could have done that easier than that, but or like this seems strange. What a strange way to save these people. But of course, everything he does is for a, a purpose, and, and he's foreshadowing Christ. See, see, brass in, in the Bible, it's always used. As a symbol of judgment. It's a symbol of judgment. The altar of brass, the brazen altar, have you ever heard that before? Where the burnt offerings were made for people's sin. Okay, so brass, it's a symbol of judgment. The serpent, the snake, that's a symbol of sin. Okay, and so when you put those together, it represents sin that has been judged. Okay. So by looking to a symbol that showed their sin had been judged by God, it saved them. They didn't die, but they lived. What's the symbol that we look to that represents our sin judged by God? It's the cross. Jesus was lifted up. In John 12, he says, And I, if if and when I am lifted up from the earth on the cross, will draw all people to myself, Gentiles as well as Jews. Jesus was lifted up. Jesus became our sin. And God judged our sin on the cross. And as we look to Jesus on the cross, as 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 we have faith in his work, to die for our sin we don't die but we have eternal life and so Jesus answers the question how do I become born again look to the cross look to Jesus the answer is this believe in Jesus if you're not sure If you're born again, the answer is this, believe in Jesus. Believe that Jesus paid the price for your sin. Believe that now you can be forgiven and repent of your sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. Believing in Jesus brings us to repentance. It causes us to turn away from sin. Believe that Jesus makes you clean and acceptable to God. Acts 16, 31 says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. John 3, 36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. John 20, 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Savior, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that's what the woman at the well did. She believed in Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That's all the thief on the cross did. That's all he could do. He believed in Jesus. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus to do. And I believe that's what God is telling us to do right now. This is how we're saved. This is how we're born again. This is how we qualify for heaven. Believe in the Lord Jesus. When we're physically born, when we're physically born, when you were physically born out of your mother's womb, how much effort did you give to be physically born I know for me um, I gave no effort I I was just like whatever I'm good I'm good either way see the baby uh, in being physically born contributes nothing to the birth when we're physically born, it's someone else's work, right? That helps us to be born. It's the same spiritually, okay? Uh, we can't, when we're born again spiritually, we contribute nothing. We're born again because of somebody else's work. Who's the work? It's Jesus and the cross. Ephesians 2 8 and 9, for it is by grace. God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you've been saved. Actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it's the undeserved, gracious gift of God. Not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law. So that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. It's all Jesus. And you know, like I said in the beginning, I I just think Nicodemus represents the person, the, the people that believe they're saved and they're going to heaven. But they're actually not. Because they're not born again. We know this scripture, and, and this scripture is horrible. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. These people are not casual churchgoers. They're actively engaged in the work of God, but they still don't qualify. And so please hear this question today. If someone with the credentials of Nicodemus isn't saved, and these people that are actively engaged in the work of God aren't saved, How many more people are there that believe they're saved but won't see heaven? And so we need to examine ourselves today. We need to ask the question, am I born again? Am I born again? You know, lots of us are, 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 you know, in churches because when we're little kids and, and, and we're in Sunday school or, or maybe, you know, their parents would just, would, would just try to, to, to tell them about the Lord and, 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 and so then they ask the question, they just say, you know, if you, if you invite Jesus into your heart, then you get to go to heaven. But if you don't, then you're gonna go to hell. What would you like to do? <laughs> and, and so people, and so many people, maybe not just children, but people, they're choosing heaven, but they're not choosing the Savior. Do you know what I'm saying? And so now we've got a whole bunch of people in church that say, yeah, I, I, I came to the Lord when I was so-and-so age, Right? But they really never have been born again. And so we need to ask ourselves that question, Do do I rely on my self effort and my good works for my salvation? Or do I fully rely on Jesus and his good works for my salvation? Do I believe in Jesus as the saving work and the saving work of the cross? Do I believe that Jesus has forgiven my sins and that my faith in Jesus and what he's done qualifies me for heaven? You know, just imagine this for a moment, and, and this, is, this is not how this actually goes, but just imagine this for a moment, that you, you pass away, and, and now you are standing in front of heaven's gates And God the Father is standing in front of the gates. Okay, again, this is not how this works, okay. God the Father is standing in front of the gates and he asks you the question, why should I let you in? Why should I let you in? And think about our response to that question. There's only one right answer. If your answer is anything but Jesus, Jesus qualifies me. I believe in Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for me. Jesus took my sins with him to the cross. I'm clean. I qualify for heaven because of Jesus and my faith in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. That's the answer. But if our answer is anything else, then I would say we're probably one of those people that will say, Lord, Lord, from Matthew 7. And he'll say, I never knew you. Let's finish up here. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone, let's read from verse 18. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what they are doing, can see that... They are doing what God wants, and so <clears throat> I think this scripture is talking about how can you tell that you are born again? How can you tell? Okay, and and, and that's a question I think that a lot of people ask. You know, a lot of people say, "Are you born again?" or "When did you get born again?" And they say, "Well, I'm not really, I'm not really sure." That's kind of a tough question. That's kind of a I, let me think about that. Okay, but but I think there's two. Very, very important evidences that tell us if we're born again. And number one is you have a heart change. Your heart changes. The disposition, the nature and character of your heart changes. The loves, the loves of your heart are reordered when you become born again. Right? The main thing that drives a born again person is the love of God right? There's revelation and understanding of the love of God. And, and now you go from I believe God loves me to I know God loves me. I know it. Right? And, and, and so God's love becomes more real than anything else in the world. His love radically changes us. And so now our heart desires the things of God when it didn't before. Now your heart desires him. The default of our heart changes from wanting to please self to wanting to please Him. Because we're born again. We, uh, before we're born again, we want to do the wrong thing. After we're born again, we want to do the right thing. He changes the direction of our heart. Does someone have a, a pen? I was supposed to bring a pen for this. I just need a quick, throw me a pen. Let's throw it, Danielle. Good throw. Okay, you know, don't clap. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that big. It wasn't that impressive. It wasn't. I mean, we can all throw pens. All right, just calm down. Um, but but our heart changes. Our heart changes. It changes direction. Right. And and so, before before we're born again, our heart leads to to sin and it leads to uh, death and, and, it, and it leads to hell. Right, our heart, our heart desires those things that lead to death and hell. Okay, so it's pointing in that, right, that section right there, that's, that's, that's the hell, that's the hell section. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry you sat over there. Okay, but then we become born again, we become born again, and our heart changes. No, now we're born again. So now so now our heart is pointing away from the hell section. And it's pointing to the heaven section. You guys sat in the right. You're in the right section. Okay, good job. I'm sorry for all of you. <clears throat> um, but now it's pointing towards God. It's, and, it, and it desires the things of God that lead to life. Right? And lead to... Um, To heaven okay so number one is is absolutely there's a heart change there's a heart change okay and then the heart change number one actually uh leads to number two number two is there's a behavior change there's a behavior change a consistent mark of being born again is a changed life when when paul met jesus on the road to damascus did did his life change after that a little a little right that's that's the mark of being born again You're, so because your heart changed now your your life changed a changed heart is going to produce fruit you can see evidence of new life in someone's behavior because what god's done as god's done in our heart okay that's going to change our behavior so our actions and our words, they're going to follow our heart. And please understand, we're, we're not perfect. We still make mistakes, okay? And we're still going to choose to live in our flesh at times. Or is that just me? Right? And, and so when you're driving with other people and, you know, you just feel like you want to hurt people, <laughs> that, that still happens. Okay, that still happens, okay, and, and we still have issues. We still have issues, and we still, we still are going to give in to temptation at times, okay, and, and that's just the sanctification. That's just the journey, the process from salvation to heaven, right, where we move from selfishness to love, where we move from being Brett and Phil and J. Ray and Natasha and Lori, we move from that to Jesus, Right, That's that sanctification. So those things will still happen. But there, but, but there should be evidences in the way that we live our life that our heart has changed. Maybe in the way that we forgive people, the way that we treat people, the way that we obey the word of God. The way that we love God, listen to this, love God more than we love the world. Anyone should be able to look at our life and say, there's something different about that person. That person, they're not like the rest of us. They love God. If Jesus is inside, then people are going to see Jesus on the outside. And that's because we've submitted to his lordship, right? That, that happens with our heart change. Our heart declares Jesus is Lord. And, and so when we do that, when we declare Jesus is Lord, We step off the throne of our hearts and we allow Jesus, King Jesus, to sit on the throne. If King Jesus is sitting on the throne of our heart, our behavior is going to reflect that. So we can know. We can know if we're born again. You know, I think it's like like being married, right? Like, like, um. You know, we might we might sometimes forget the date that we get married. Right? Okay, the people that are laughing are the ones that forget. And, just kidding. Okay, so we might forget the date, but we don't we don't forget the 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 event. Right? Like like it was a it was a significant event when I'm living in my parents' basement. And and you know, sleeping in my waterbed that I grew up with that I loved so much. I loved, I loved that waterbed. But there I mean there was a drastic my life drastically, radically changed when I got married. Right? When when this beautiful woman came to live with me, right? Not in my parents' basement in my bedroom, but we we had our own place. But but you know, if someone asked me, hey, do you, remember, uh, do you remember when you got married? You know, I'm not going to say, well, you know, that's a tough one. I'm not really. Well, are you married? Well, like I think so. I'm not really sure. Like we don't do that because there was, there's a drastic change that happened, right? And, and so it's the same with salvation. There's, there's a radical change that happens, right? And, and we're going to remember the day when the Holy Spirit Came to live with us. Does that make sense? And you know, I really believe Nicodemus was born again. I really do. In John chapter 19, so Nicodemus went from visiting Jesus in the cover of night to preparing Jesus' body for burial in John chapter 19. He went from talking to Jesus in the daylight was risking his reputation, okay? But asking to prepare his body for burial after he was plotted against and crucified, that was risking his life. That's the mark of someone born again, right? They, they have a changed heart and a changed life. And so what I want to do today is, is, uh, is I just want to make sure that we don't leave here without knowing. I mean, if you, if you can't answer that question, am I born again? Am I going to heaven? If you can't answer that question, let's be sure. Let's be sure. God wants you to be sure. And so I'm just going to give everyone in this room and watching online, just give you an opportunity To make Jesus your your Savior and your Lord. Give you an opportunity just to believe in Jesus, right, because that's how we become born again, we believe in Jesus. And so I'm just going to invite everyone just to bow your heads and and close your eyes. And the reason we do that, I just want to, just for this morning anyway, we just want to keep this a private thing, just between you and the Lord. You know, I wonder if there's someone here today, um, you know, maybe you, you just grew up in the church. You know, you, your parents were churchgoers, and so you are now a churchgoer, and, and you've just never really put thought into it. You just assume that you're going to heaven because you're a churchgoer. And maybe as I was talking today, you just felt a tug on your heart that you need to you need to become born again. You need to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You need to believe in Jesus this morning. You need to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if that's you today, if you're here and, and you're just not sure, but you'd like to be sure, you'd like to know, you'd like to know that you're going to heaven, that you're going to that you qualify. i will just invite you just to raise your hand on the count of three. And and I'm just gonna pray with you. One, two, three. Amen, I see those hands. Yep, I see those hands. Okay. Amen, you you can put your hands down. And so we're just gonna pray now. And I just want you to just pray this prayer with me and, and just pray it. Pray it in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. God God knows your heart. And so just, just pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he rose again from the grave. I believe that I can have forgiveness of my sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. I invite Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I wanna come into relationship with you, God. I invite you to change me. I invite you to make me new. Help me to grow in your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm just going to invite our worship team forward. And um, <clears throat> we're just going to end today with, with one more worship song. And so what we, what we always uh, would ask you to do is just engage with the Lord. Uh, you can stand, you can sit, you can come to the front. Our prayer team is going to be standing at the front as well. So if you'd like prayer during the song or after the song, you can do that. And, uh, but just, just respond. Respond to the Lord. Whatever God's telling you in your heart, just respond to that.